right. Well, uh, this is an exciting day. It is a happy Mother's Day, and we have one of the most amazing mothers and amazing women of God here with us this morning. Uh, would you please welcome to the stage Laura Ranow. That is quite the introduction. Thank you so much. Um, it is such a privilege um, to stand here today and be able to share with you. Um, I got a text from Dan and said, Laura, would you be interested in uh, sharing a word on Mother's Day? I'm like, oh, yeah, sharing a word on Mother's Day. That would be great. I'm sharing a message. And I'm like, so, you know, what kind of time frame you're looking for? I'm thinking, you know, some little inspirational message. And I get the text back, oh, you got about 30 minutes. So I call Dave, my husband Dave, sitting in the back there. I'm like, um, I just got this text from Dan, and he asked me to share a message, and he says that it's about 30 minutes. I think he wants me to do the message. <laughs> and Dave's like, no, no, he's pulling your leg. He doesn't want you to do the message. So I send a text back to Dan. Um, okay, so just to clarify, do you want me to speak in lieu of your sermon or, you know, just an inspirational kind of message? Oh, in lieu of the sermon would be great. Okay. So <laughs> here I am, and um, <laughs> woo! <laughs> no, I, I am very thrilled to, um, to be able to share with you. Um, I really feel that God has a word, especially for the women today. So I'm really excited to uh, be able to share that with you. So for those of you who don't know me, um, I just want to share a little bit about myself. I have six children. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Um, five boys and one girl. My daughter, Brittany, is here. She's in the back. So if any of you want to go uh, lay hands on her for having to deal with five brothers, I'm sure she would appreciate it. Um, and we are a blended family. So um, I had three children. I was a single mom at one point and um, my daycare provider she comes up to me, you know, I came to pick up the kids, and she's like, I have this amazing guy for you to meet. <laughs> what? What? He has three kids. I'm like, are you insane? I have three children. He has, that is six kids. There is absolutely no way. She's like, just meet him for dinner. He's so great. And I'm like, fine, fine. To get you off my back, I will meet him for dinner. And I don't want to hear anything else about it. So we celebrated our 20th anniversary <laughs> last month, and um, I am very blessed, very blessed to have an amazing husband and um, to be able to say that I am mom to six kids. It's really exciting. Um, so Mother's Day, I am sure that all of you have had a totally amazing and relaxing Mother's Day up to this point, right? You probably got, you know, brought breakfast just like this, right? You woke up with your makeup done and your hair done, right? And your children with their angelic beaming faces come in already and you get this amazing um, breakfast, you know, the, you can see how it's so aesthetically pleasing laid out on the plate. I'm sure each one of you had your Mother's Day um, just like this this morning, right? Um, so being the mom of six kids and especially boys, when boys are left to their devices of what to do for Mother's Day, it kind of looks a little different.
Welcome to my world. <laughs> so that picture, the first picture I showed you of the perfect Mother's Day, right? We, whether it be like pressure from society or just from ourselves, we put these unrealist, re unrealistic expectations on things. And especially unrealistic expectations of what a mom needs to look like. Um, when the reality is life is messy, the demands are high, and there is just no way we can fulfill these expectations. So today, I would like to talk about how we can find grace for ourselves in a world of impossible standards. Um, so what are the expectations for a mom today? So if you believe the television and movies and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, we should all be achieving superwoman status, right? Ta-da! I should have a cape and I should have the whole thing going on, right? According to all that, I'm supposed to be perfect. Um, there's things that we should be providing, like fairy tale childhoods for our children, right? With the perfectly themed birthday party where the cake and the napkins and the decorations all match. We should be an also developing an innate sense of personal talents, right? I should be working on all my personal things in life um, while like sewing, for example, or art, or playing tennis, right, developing all these things within me, while fostering a world-changing career, right, while maintaining a stunning home and perfectly manicured yards. For any of you that know me, this is not my yard, um, because all those flowers would be dead and brown. Um, I'm a black thumb, so... Yes, but we should be maintaining all of this, um, providing homemade food at every meal, organic and locally sourced, of course, right? Main, while maintaining the perfect marriage, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maintaining the perfect marriage. Um, and sust while sustaining meaningful friendships. So you're getting together and you're doing your crafts with all your friends, all of this all at the same time right? While you're carving out plenty of time for your self-care, you know, working on your makeup, your yoga class, and reading the self-help books, right, to make sure that you're doing all of this well. And you also must serve, right? You're going to serve on the PTA. You're going to serve on whatever career enhancement committees you need to for work, the Neighborhood Watch, the Homeowners Association, the Ladies Ministry at Church, while you are coaching Little League. And you are going to do all of this while maintaining a fulfilling act of relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Woo, right? Any of you all got all that together? You cannot balance that job description. Let me just tell you, no one is pulling this off. No one. On social media, we see little bits, little glimpses of people people's lives, right? The wonderfully put together birthday party, the amazing family vacation, the lovely meal, the wonderful artistic crafts. But these are just moments. No one person is performing all of these things at the same time. No one. It's an illusion that we should be able to do all of these things. It is so unrealistic. So it is time that we give ourselves some grace. Give ourselves a break. We can't do this. So I want to talk to you about how, where we can give ourselves some grace. So the first thing, give yourself the grace from being perfect. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, none 
is righteous. No, not one. There is not one person in this room, whether you're a father, mother, brother, sister, that is perfect. There's just not. We are human beings, and we are going to fail. We have faults. I stand here before you as a faulted human being. I am going to mess up. So why do we try to hold ourselves to a standard that we cannot obtain? It's impossible. Life is going to happen. We're going to say things that we shouldn't in front of our children. So during life events, there are certain events that happen during your life that you remember, like, like life-altering events, like some of us, it might be, you know, remembering when man walked on the moon or when Mount St. Helens blew. You know, you know. You remember the day and the time that happened. Um, in my family, it is the day that mom swore in the car. This is a life-altering event in my family, and they love to, and my daughter's back there, uh-huh, and they love to remind me. They cannot remember their social security number most of the time, but they remember the day mom swore in the car. So we were out. It is called the Christmas car incident, by the way, of 1997. Um, so I was taking the children Christmas shopping, me, myself, we had a minivan, so I had all six children, and we were heading at, we were at South Center. So any of you that have multiple children know, even with one child, you can have a child that, that talks and creates a lot of chaos in the car, but when you get multiple children in the car, it is very much controlled chaos. You know, she's touching me, he's breathing my air, you know, all this stuff is going on, right? So as I'm in the parking lot, I'm coming around to pull into a stall, and this other car is just whipping around, comes over, and literally comes inches, just inches from hitting the car. So perhaps at this moment, I said a word such as shoot, but maybe a slight variation of that. But let me just tell you that that word I spoke, now these kids are right, are blah, 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 on the background, and my volume is like shoot, I mean so, so quiet. I look in the rear view mirror, and here are eyeballs. 12 eyeballs staring at me, and it is silent. Silent. One of the children, you just said the ST high word. That's what they called that word, the ST high word. No, no, no. I, I said shoot. No, you didn't. Mom just said the ST high word. Oh, my goodness. You would have thought that I had gotten out of the car and, like, sacrificed a goat in the middle of the parking lot. It was, and they remember this, right? So there are times you are going to say things in front of your children that you don't mean. There are times you're going to make bad judgment calls. Um, so we often had family dinner together, and, and the rule at family dinner is you have to finish your plate if you want dessert. So Hayden is the baby of the family, and we had all sat down for dinner, and everybody had eaten, and we had mashed potatoes, and Hayden was fine with mashed potatoes. He'd eat mashed potatoes, but that day he was like, Mom these potatoes taste horrible. I am not going to eat these potatoes. Hayden, you eat potatoes every single day or almost. Why, why does it matter today what these potatoes? We all just ate these potatoes. They're fine, Hayden. And he's like, but mom, they taste really bad. I'm like, that's enough. You are going to eat these potatoes and you are not getting up from this table until you're done. Five years ago, five years ago, now my, Hayden the baby is 24. Five years ago, I find out that his lovely sister and his other brother, Brendan, 
decided to put salt in his potatoes. So basically, I made my son eat Play-Doh. In hindsight, I could have maybe tasted his potatoes, right, instead of just assuming. No, no. So we're going to make bad judgment calls. We're going to leave the wrong impression with people sometimes. Um, so I serve in the nursery once a month. And if you are not serving with children, they are hilarious. It is so much fun. I love being in the nursery. Um, so we play this game. Now, just granted, if you ever serve with small children and you start doing something like I started this about four months ago, and they always remember. I walk in, oh, we're going to do what? There's two things that I do. There's the funny story, and you'll have to come in, and I can't explain the funny story. It's just the funny story. So whenever I go to the nursery, the kids are like, we're going to do the funny story. And we got to play sack of potatoes or pick up the garbage. So what that means is at the end, like usually like Addie is in there and um, Palin's little girl Lily, and they'll lay on the ground and I'm like, oh, look at this pile of garbage. I'm going to pick you up. And I pick them up and I just toss them into the, very gently toss them. <laughs> I just very gently toss them into the recliner, right? So last Sunday, I think this is last Sunday, so we're doing this game, and, and Addie's on the phone. I'm like, look at this pile of garbage. And I pick her up, and I toss her in the recliner. And Lily's like, me, me. So I pick up Lily, and Lily's mom, Palin, who runs the nursery, who does an amazing job, by the way. Um, she was in the nursery with me. And uh, I pick her up, and I toss her in the recliner. And then I, she had a blanket on her. I pull back the blanket, and I go, oh, no, it's a little girl. And she goes, I'm not a little girl. I'm a big pile of garbage. And Palin goes, way to build up her self-esteem, Laura. <laughs> How to get out of being in the nursery. Check. <laughs> so there are things we are just going to do wrong. It's just going to happen. We're also not going to be able to do everything. But you know what? God is not sitting up there with a clipboard checking off your accomplishments. Oh, she didn't go to PTA this week. Demerit. Right? No. That is not what God's there. You need to give yourself permission to say no. And I know my husband's back there going, ah, because he's like, hey, pot, should I call the kettle? You know, but because as women, it's hard, right? We're people pleasers, right? That's what we want to do is please people. So it's hard for us to say no. But then you spread yourself so thin, right? We're doing all these things and trying to do all these things so perfectly. And then we're doing only things just halfway. Mother Teresa has this great quote. And it says, God doesn't look at how much we do, but with how much love we do it. Isn't that good? It's not, it's not the quantity of things you do. It's the quality of the things that you do. And you do it in love. So I, um, how many of you have heard of Lisa Bevere? Excellent, wonderful Christian speaker. Um, we're friends on Facebook. Facebook friends are real friends. Russell Wilson is my friend. <laughs> but I follow her on Facebook. She has amazing posts. And um, she posted this the other day. And it is Romans 8, 15 through 16. And it's through the Passion Translation. And this translation just really unpacks this verse in a great way. And it says, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. 
beloved Father, Abba. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Isn't that great? I love how that just unpacked that verse. Do not live in the fear of not being good enough. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are children of the king. So give yourself the grace also to not dwell on the past. The enemy tries to hold us captive with the chains of our past mistakes. And I think this is especially true when God, we feel this calling. God is calling us into a new area in our life. I'm getting us to step maybe outside the box that we're in. Um, the enemy is very quick to remind us. And um, for me, my past is a very harsh reality of being pregnant at 17, pregnant again at 18, and having three children before I turned 21. Of living in a severely physical and emotionally abusive relationship for many years, and of believing that I was unworthy and unlovable. And let me tell you that the enemy is quick to remind me of how unqualified I am to follow God. So after the whole A and the um, communication, Dad and Dad, I about giving the message today, um, as I was preparing this message, the enemy immediately, Laura, what are you thinking? Don't you remember you had a baby when you were 17 years old. You are going to stand up in front of these people and give some sort of word from God. You are not qualified to do that. And it is a battle. The enemy does not want you to stand in what God has called you to do. But there is no qualification test for you to pass before you can be used by God. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Again, Lisa Bevere had this great quote. Who you have been is not who you will be. Where you have been is not where you will go. What you have done is not what you will do. Your history does not determine your destiny. God does. We need to remember that when the enemy starts to tell us who we are not, we need to remember what God tells us that we are. So give yourself the grace to focus not on your failures, but who you are in Christ. When we get caught up in the things that we think we're supposed to be, we lose focus. And um, it's really easy to lose focus. And I want to tell a story about, um, again, the youngest, poor Hayden. He gets the stories, and he's listening this morning on podcast. So sorry, Hayden. Um, <laughs> he gets to be. Um, it's, it's great when you do have six kids because it does offer a lot of material um, for when you're speaking. Um, <laughs> my kids are like, great, great, mom. That's awesome. Um, so my parents would often, my mom is Irish, so all of my relatives live in England and Ireland. And my parents would often go back to visit, and so they would have the kids come watch the house. And of course, it's like, whoa, that's amazing. Um, these are always the things that, you know, you fear about. I'm going to talk in public, and I'm going to spill everything, and I'm going to knock things over. And I, so I totally did it. So see, I can just keep going. Um, 
So Hayden and Brendan were elected to watch the house for a weekend. And so this is an amazing thing because literally my dad has over 200 movies. I'm not even kidding. Like literally 200 movies. And grandma would stock the fridge with like frozen pizzas and, you know, all the junk food. So this was like an amazing weekend for the kids, right? They would gladly volunteer to watch grandma's house. So this particular weekend, Brendan and Hayden were both watching the house, and Brendan, at the time, had a job really close by. So he went to work, and he decided to come home for lunch. And as he's walking up the front, all of a sudden, Hayden presses his face against the glass window of the garage. Brendan! Brendan! And Brendan's like, what are you doing? I locked myself in the garage! And he's standing there, of course, in his boxer shorts. How many of you have boys that feel like boxer shorts is like an, a normal apparel? Yes, that's my child. So he's saying, well, I locked myself in the garage. I came out here to get a frozen pizza, and the door shut behind me, and it's locked. And Brennan just stood there. He said, Hayden, how long have you been here? At least a couple hours. I've been out here a couple hours. I'm so glad you came home. Hayden, why didn't you just push the garage door opener? My son is smart, I promise. He really, he's smart. Um, but he was so focused on the fact that he had locked himself out that he couldn't focus on the way to get back in. So that's what the enemy does. It gets us to focus on what's preventing us, what, all the things, that, all our failures that prevents us from serving God. And he reminds you of the ways you are failing. So when the enemy tries to tell you that you're failing at what you're supposed to be, you need to remember what God says you are. So who does God say we are? So I could have spent the entire time speaking this morning about the verses in the Bible that God says we are. But I pulled out a few, and these are amazing. How many of you know that there is power when you declare scripture over your life? Right? So I'm going to read a few of these to you. I am God's child. I belong to God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am forgiven. I have purpose. I have hope. I am included. I am sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I am the salt and light of the earth. I have been shown the incomparable riches of God's grace. I am God's workmanship. I am a dwelling for the Holy Spirit. I share in the promise of Christ Jesus. God's power works through me. I am completed by God. I can bring glory to God. I have been called. I am not alone. I am growing. I am chosen and dearly loved. I am set free. I am a light in the world. And so I want you, as we switch to the next slide, I'd like you guys to say these along with me. I am more than a conqueror. I am healed from sin. I am no longer condemned. I am overcoming. I am persevering. I am protected. I am born again. I am a new creation. I am delivered. I am victorious. Isn't that awesome? God has given each of us an identity. When we arm ourselves with who God says we are, 
we can stand in boldness and know whose we are. So the last thing I want to talk about is giving others grace. So um, I work in the construction industry. I am an office manager at an electrical contractor. And so being a woman in the construction industry certainly presents its fair share of challenges. Um, but often what we find is the struggle we have is with other women in leadership. Um, in some cases, they will treat their women subordinates worse than some men treat their women subordinates. And you think, why is that, right? They should be supporting each other. We should be there for each other. We should be building each other up. But they feel that they fought their way to the top. And instead of helping others with the obstacles they face, they throw more in the way. And sadly, we don't just see that in business. Sometimes in the church, we are quick to point out the faults in each other. And one of my favorite church phrases is share in love. Right? We're going to share in love. It's like I'll call up Mary. Mary, Mary, I'm so glad to talk to you today. You know what? I just have something on my heart, and I really feel like I need to share this within you with love. Have you seen those pastor's kids? They, they run through this church like they own the place. Half the time they're not wearing shoes, and it's 30 degrees outside. Does she not know? Does, does their mom not know how to put a coat on those kids? Really? I think we should just pray right now for them. We just pray that they get a spirit of parenting about them, right? Because obviously, obviously they need some help. I knew I could share this with you, though, in love, right? Have I done anything to edify anyone in that conversation? No. I had someone say to me once, the church is the only place where they kill their wounded. Ah, that kills me. That can't be what we're about. We need to show grace to others. So how do we show grace to others? Well, you have to show grace to yourself first. Um, I've just finished this book by Jen Hatmaker. It's called For the Love. She, if you haven't read anything by Jen Hatmaker, she is laugh out loud funny, but she has such a heart for people and for the Lord. It, she'll just hit you right here. Um, but she says, when Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself, I don't think he meant judgmentally. But that is exactly how we treat our own souls. So it bleeds out onto others. Folks who thrive in God's grace give grace easily. But the self-critical person becomes others critical. We love people the way we love ourselves. And if we're not good enough, then no one is. So how can we expect to give grace to others when we don't give it to ourselves? Could the reason that we are quick to put each other down is because we are holding ourselves to these unrealistic expectations? So when others fail those expectations, we're quick to criticize. Our perceived failure to perform is then projected onto others. So maybe we could, if we just let ourselves off the hook, we could let others off the hook too. The second way we can show grace to others is to let it go. Now, how many of you just had frozen? Pop in your head. You're welcome. Um, I am not saying be a doormat, but if we find ourselves getting worked up about something, let's stop for a moment and think, is it really important in the grand scheme of things? So I'm going to put a formula up, and um, I'm, I promise I'm not introducing Common Core, anything like that, right? Um, we talk about this at work, and it's E times MR equals MO. And that means the event times my reaction 
equals my outcome. What is the one thing that we can control in that equation? My reaction, right? So instead of being right at each other, can't we just live life in the freedom of grace? So the third way we can show grace to each other is remember that God is in control. God is great at being God. I am not great at being God. I try, right? I'm like, hey, I can do this, God. I got this. I got this. And then I mess it up. Um, but when I criticize and I pass judgment onto others, isn't, aren't I just doing just that? Aren't I trying to be God? Um, so Jen, Ma- Jen Hatmaker, she has a quote. And it says, we don't have to be saviors and critics for each other. We're probably better as loved people beside one another. We aren't good gods, but we can be good humans. And Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So in closing, let's give ourselves a break. Let's give ourselves some grace and embrace what God says we are. God wants the best version of you, not your version of trying to be someone else. I encourage you to just step back from the craziness of life, from all the to-do tasks that you have on your list, and listen for his voice to reveal who you were created to be. The substance of life isn't about what our next Facebook post should be, our next Pinterest masterpiece, monetary success, work, accomplishments, or just stuff. But it seems like we devote an enormous amount of energy to this. The substance of life is living and breathing for the love of Jesus, for the love of our own souls, for the love of our families, and for the love of the people of this world. Paul basically said, we can have all of our stuff together, in all other areas. But if we don't have love, we are bankrupt. So give yourself the grace to love yourself. Give yourself the grace to be who God made you to be. There is no one in the world like you. And God made it that way.